our epistle reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father for Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his glorious pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he freely lavished on us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in 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 abundance with the riches of God's grace which he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when he times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be for the praise of his glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having revealed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Here ends our epistle. Our gospel reading is from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. We have the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do in inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself you have answered correctly Jesus said do this and you will live but he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbour in reply Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers they stripped him of his clothes beat him went away leaving him half dead a priest having to be going down the same road when he saw the man he passed by on the other side So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. Next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, when I return i reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for your holy and eternal, your written word, the record of your plan of salvation for our lives in Jesus Christ. Grant us your blessing to understand and to take part in trusting in Christ and the blessing of hearing your word in Jesus' name. Amen.
Today we hear much about people talking about their identity and wanting to find their identity and searching for their identity. We see that an awful lot in the LGBT uh, community campaigns. We hear about people talking about their low self-image or wanting a self-image. We find people see the TV programmes, The Long Lost Family. People want to trace their roots and find out where their identity is, where they've come from and who their parents were. It's all about identity. But the Bible is very clear, and the New Testament in particular, about where we find our identity. Ask when we're Christians, where is our identity? It's in those two words, in Christ. God has blessed us. He says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. So we find our blessings, not just our material blessings, but more importantly, our spiritual blessings in Christ and what Christ has done for us and by God's plan of salvation in sending Christ into the world. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father for Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Material blessings are only temporary. They only give temporary satisfaction, as people often find, and as we know. And they fade, they perish, they decay, they pass away. But the eternal spiritual blessings from heaven we find by God in Christ last forever, beyond this time, into eternity itself. Peter would say something similar. Praise be to the God and Father for Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So God wants to give us spiritual blessings. So briefly, and we can't do real justice this passage this morning, uh, what, thing, what spiritual blessings do we find? Verses 4 to 6 tells us we are chosen. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which is freely given us in the one he loves. God in Christ has chosen us. God had an eternal plan. God didn't wait until Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and say, scratch his head and say, what will I do now? It's gone wrong. He didn't have a plan B. He had one plan, an eternal plan for our salvation. When mankind would abuse God's gift of free will, it says, before the creation of the world, he chose us to be holy and blameless, to be set apart, to become his followers. God had a plan of salvation. He wanted to adopt us as his sons. Sin meant we were slaves to sin. We couldn't be God's children. So in Christ, he had a plan of adoption, a plan of salvation for us. That was his pleasure and his will. The Bible tells us that uh, we didn't love God. God loved us. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yes, before the, cre before the creation of the word God and the plan of salvation, even where the Bible tells us when we are conceived, when we're in the womb, God knew us and loved us. Our days were ordered even then. Psalm 139 says, 
For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew us before we were even born, from the moment of conception. So God therefore had a plan of salvation for you, for me, for every one of us in the world. Remember when the, Jesus called his disciples, they didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus called them. Matthew, tax collector, Andrew and Peter, James and John as fishermen, doing their ordinary work. And Jesus said, come and follow me. And they responded and they went and followed him. He had a plan for their lives to become his disciples, to become his witnesses, to become his apostles and go and preach the gospel throughout the whole world. He had a plan for their lives. And so he has a plan for your life and for my life. And it begins in eternity, began in eternity, his plan so that we could be set aside. We could be chosen to be his followers. He would call us and he would call us to make a response to him. Sinclair Ferguson, a Christian preacher and writer, said, How wonderful, on the other hand, to reflect on the fact that God loved me before I loved him, before I trusted in his son, even before his son came, even before the creation of the world. Can his love for me be that big, that large, that deep? Yes, indeed. And if it is rooted in everything, it will last for eternity. God always put the finishing touch to the work he has begun. Paul, writing Philippians, says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God has a plan of salvation for you and me, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the free gift of eternal life to us, and the certainty of heaven. It began in eternity, began the moment we were conceived in the womb and we were born as we lived this life. God's a plan of salvation he accomplished by sending Jesus Christ into this world. That's the first great spiritual blessing. God has called us, God has chosen us to be his children by faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of his great mercy in sending Jesus Christ into this world for us. He has freely given us his grace, his undeserved merit, through the one he loves, it says. Then we're told we are redeemed. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. They lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. God's plan or purpose of our salvation, we know, was sending Jesus Christ into the world plan began eternity he said and what does it tell us here we have redemption through his blood we are redeemed by Christ's diet, death and shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins the slave in the marketplace did seven years as a slave he stood in the marketplace in his seventh year put there by his master if someone came along and paid the price that slave could be free the slave didn't have the money himself he was there helpless totally dependent on someone to pay the price for his freedom. We are the same, slave to sin, to Satan and to death. But God in Christ Jesus has paid the price with Jesus' blood shed on the cross. 
We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and according with the riches of God's grace. God's grace is something we didn't deserve, but yet God loved us, and he wanted to save us from our sins, and so he sent Jesus Christ to redeem us, to buy us back from the debt we couldn't pay because of sin in our lives. And because of Christ's death and resurrection, by his redeeming blood, we too can say when we trust in Christ, I'm free. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and the cords and riches of God's grace. Remember a couple of weeks ago we thought about that Psalm 130 which said, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But if you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. The amount of sins we have is innumerable. Because we sin every day, thought, word, and deed. But when we come to Christ and seek the forgiveness of our sins and sincerely repent of them and desire to lead a new life, that record of sin is wiped out. It's cleared. There are sins and lawlessness I will remember no more, Hebrews says. God forgives our sins, remembers them no more. He gives a fresh start, a new start again. As the hymn says, Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. That's what we have in God. That's what God's plan of salvation or redemption, which he has fully, finally and completely accomplished in Christ, is given to us. We are justified, Paul says in Romans chapter 5. We have peace with God. We have access and salvation, God's grace, the hope of glory and certainty of heaven. That's what God offers to us. All because he loved us, because it's a plan of salvation for all of our lives. And then one day, he says, he will bring all things together, in verse 9, in heaven and earth, under one head, Jesus Christ. The plan of salvation God will fully and finally accomplish when he restores a new heaven and a new earth and brings all who trust in him. Those who respond to his call, those who redeemed, know God's forgiveness, they are brought together. God's plan of salvation will reach its fulfillment one day. That's God's final plan and part of his plan of salvation for all the world. But then we're told that we're owned. And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We're owned by God. We're put, given a mark, the seed of God's Holy Spirit. He says, you are included in Christ. You became a follower of Christ, he says to the Ephesian church. When you heard the word of truth, when the gospel was preached to them, the gospel of your salvation, when they heard the message of Christ's love, Christ's death, and their need to respond by repentance, confession of their sins, and become followers of Christ, then they were included in Christ. But that wasn't the end of it, Paul says. Having believed, having trusted in Christ, you are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. God put his brand mark, as it were, on everybody who became a Christian. Just as a manufacturer has a brand mark, the car, we know the particular symbol for cars, that's their owner's seal or brand mark. In ancient times, 
and the world. A package was dispatched with a seal to say where it came from and who it belonged to. And the same with us. When we become followers of Christ, we are put God's seal on us, who we belong to. We belong to God and we're given the Holy Spirit. It says, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession. When you're going on holidays, you generally are asked to pay a deposit and then sometime later you pay the full amount before you go on holidays and then you go and enjoy your holiday. And the same with the Christian life as well. God's Holy Spirit is a deposit, God's guarantee that you are going to inherit a place in God's kingdom. It's beginning now, but in one day it will reach its full potential, its full commitment by Christ's return again or our death. So God's Holy Spirit in living the life of a Christian is the guarantee that we're going to get something in the future, a down payment as it were, for an eternal future that we find in God through Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing in inheritance. You see, you have to be a member of a family to inherit something in the will, don't you? Or you're well known to the person to inherit something from their will. And in the Christian life, we only are inheritors of a place in heaven when we are God's children, when we come and trust in Christ and place our salvation in him. Paul, writing in Romans, says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's, in other words, those who are guided by God's Holy Spirit, who have the Holy Spirit with them, are sons of God. And he goes on to say, For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. We are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. When we are followers of Christ, we can call our Father. We can call him Abba, Daddy. We're not slaves, slaves of sin any longer, but we're servants of God. And we're promised to be heirs, heirs with Christ of an eternal kingdom. So the great blessings we have in this passage this morning is, first of all, that God has chosen us, chosen us to be his followers. He calls us to respond to his faith and trust in Christ because he had a plan for salvation, a plan before eternity, and he fully accomplished it in Christ's coming, his redeeming blood shed on the cross. So we are chosen by God, we are redeemed by God, and then we're owned by God. We become God's children, part of his family, and we have something which begins now and reaches all its fullness one day when Christ calls or returns again. And so today... The message is that we should be thankful to God for the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Give him the honour, the praise and the glory by lives responding with faith and trust in Christ and by living every day to honour and glorify Christ. We hear the gospel of salvation, it says in verse 13, and so when we hear it and we respond to it, then we are included in Christ and we have a wonderful promise, a guarantee of an eternal inheritance. You know, we all like something that will last. We like something that brings happiness, contentment, satisfaction. But as I said at the beginning, our identity is in Christ. The things of this world are only temporary, only bring temporary contentment and satisfaction. But the greatest blessing is to know the spiritual blessing that God loves us. 
He has redeemed us. When we trust in Christ, we have a sure and certain hope of heaven one day. And it all begins when we respond to Christ and his work. God has called you. God has chosen you in Christ. God calls you to respond to him and his redeeming work of Christ on the cross. And he guarantees you by his Holy Spirit living in you an inheritance that is eternal. Let us pray. Father in heaven, this day we give you thanks for your great mercy, your love and your grace in sending Jesus Christ into this world. We thank you by your grace we are not punished as we deserved. We thank you by your mercy you offer us forgiveness of sins, eternal life and new, new place in heaven. Grant us this day, Heavenly Father, to glorify in the privilege that you love us as we are. You call us. Help us to respond to know the fullness of your salvation all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.